Welcome to the Folktale Project, this is Dan Shaws. Today we have part two of the wonderful and wonderfully long story of Beauty and the Beast. We left off with the merchant and his children having lost all of their wealth, hearing news that all might not actually be lost. And the merchant is going off to see about that and asks the children, what gifts they would like. And his youngest daughter, Beauty, asks for a rose. And so we rejoin the tale of Beauty and the Beast. So the merchant set out and reached the town as quickly as possible, but only to find that his former companions, believing him to be dead, had divided between them the goods which the ship had brought. And after six months of trouble and expense, he found himself as poor as when he started, having been able to recover only just enough to pay the cost of his journey. To make matters worse, he was obliged to leave the town in the most terrible weather, so that by the time he was within a few leagues of his home, he was almost exhausted with cold and fatigue. Though he knew it would take him some hours to get through the forest, he was so anxious to be at his journey's end that he resolved to go on. But night overtook him, and the deep snow and bitter frost made it impossible for his horse to carry him any further. Not a house was to be seen. The only shelter he could get was the hollow trunk of a great tree, and there he crouched all the night, which seemed to him the longest he had ever known. In spite of his weariness, the howling of the wolves kept him awake, and even when at last the day broke, he was not much better off for the falling snow had covered up every path, and he did not know which way to turn. At length he made out some sort of track, and, though at the beginning it was so rough and slippery that he fell down more than once, it presently became easier, and led him into an avenue of trees which ended in a splendid castle. It seemed to the merchant very strange that no snow had fallen in the avenue, which was entirely composed of orange trees covered with flowers and fruits, when he reached the first court of the castle, he saw before him a flight of agate steps, and went up them, and passed through several splendidly furnished rooms. The pleasant warmth of the air revived him, and he felt very hungry. But there seemed to be nobody in all this vast and splendid palace whom he could ask to give him something to eat. Deep silence reigned everywhere, and at last, tired of roaming through empty rooms and galleries, he stopped in a room smaller than the rest, where a clear fire was burning and a couch was drawn up closely close to it. Thinking that this must be prepared for someone who is expected, he sat down to wait till he should come, and very soon fell into a sweet sleep. When his extreme hunger wakened him after several hours, he was still alone, but a little table upon which was a good dinner had been drawn up close to him, and as he had eaten nothing for twenty-four hours, he lost no time in beginning his meal, hoping that he might soon have an opportunity of thanking his considerate entertainer, whoever it might be. But no one appeared, and even after another long sleep from which he awoke completely refreshed, there was no sign of anybody, though a fresh meal of dainty cakes and fruit was prepared upon the little table at his elbow. Being naturally timid, the silence began to terrify him, and he resolved to search once more through all the rooms, but it was of no use. Not even a servant was to be seen. There was no sign of life in the palace. 
He began to wonder what he should do, and to amuse himself by pretending that all the treasures he saw were his own, and considering how he would divide them among his children. Then he went down into the garden. And, though it was winter everywhere else, here the sun shone, the birds sang, and the flowers bloomed. The air itself was soft and sweet. The merchant, in ecstasies with all he saw and heard, said to himself, All this must be meant for me. I will go this minute and bring my children to share all these delights. In spite of being so cold and weary when he reached the castle, he had taken his horse to the stable and fed it. Now he thought he would saddle it for his homeward journey, and he turned down the path which led to the stable. This path had a hedge of roses on each side of it, and the merchant thought he had never seen or smelt such exquisite flowers. They reminded him of his promise to beauty and he stopped and had just gathered one to take to her when he was startled by a strange noise behind him. Turning round, he saw a frightful beast which seemed to be very angry and said in a terrible voice, Who told you that you might gather my roses? Was it not enough that I allowed you to be in my palace and was kind to you? This is the way you show your gratitude? By stealing my flowers? but your insolence shall not go unpunished. The merchant, terrified by these furious words, dropped the fatal rose and throwing himself on his knees cried, Pardon me, noble sir, I am truly grateful to you for your hospitality, which was so magnificent that I could not imagine that you would be offended by my taking such a little thing as a rose. But the beast's anger was not lessened by this speech. You are very ready with excuses and flattery, he cried but that will not save you from the death you deserve. Alas, thought the merchant, if my daughter Beauty could only know what danger her rose has brought me into. And in despair he began to tell the beast all his misfortunes and the reason of his journey, not forgetting to mention Beauty's request. The king's ransom would hardly have procured all that my other daughters asked, he said, but I thought I might at least take Beauty her rose. I beg you to forgive me, for you see I meant no harm. The beast considered for a moment, and then said, in a less furious tone, I will forgive you on one condition, and that is that you will give me one of your daughters. And that is the end of part two of Beauty and the Beast. And... We meet the beasts, and he is quite beastly, isn't he? Furious that someone would steal his roses and ready to take, in return for the merchant's life, his daughter. Of course, we know what's happening next, although neither the beast nor the merchant, I believe, really does. This is Dan Scholes for The Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere you'd like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Folktale Project. You can find us on Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, anywhere you'd like to listen. And you can always head over to folktaleproject.com. We'll find a new story waiting for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. As always... Thank you so much for listening.